This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. The Supreme Court is set to rule on several important cases. That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and uh, we are a gathering place for Christians all across America, and you will hear what you hear on American Family Radio, much of what you will not hear anywhere else. You are listening to Exposing Washington. I am your host, Walker Wildman. So glad you're with us this Saturday afternoon. Hope you're having a great weekend. Hope you're going to go worship Jesus Christ, tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening in uh, maybe your local church service or not. If you're not attending a local church, I would highly encourage you to do so because the fellowship uh, of believers is a must. Uh, For more information about today's show, you can visit AFR.net or you can download the podcast on your smart device. So download the podcast on your smart device. You can visit AFR.net, listen to the podcast there, or you can uh, you can email me, exposingwashington at AFR.net is the email address, exposingwashington at AFR.net. I'm also on Twitter. They haven't banned me yet, <laughs> at Walker Wildman on Twitter. And uh, I'm not on Facebook, at least not yet, um, because uh, I can only handle so many things at one time, so I'm just on Twitter So, at Walker Wildman on Twitter. So, in recent weeks uh, and months, the U.S. Supreme Court heard several important cases, many of which we probably updated you on here on the American Family Radio Network with our news uh, team here. The the court hears oral arguments. I'm just going to give you kind of an overview, a simple overview of the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. And then I'm going to delve into these cases that they've been uh, that have that have been heard over the past few months. So the court hears oral arguments, and that's just a fancy word for they hear cases from October to April each year. So each year from October to April they hear cases, and then um, the opinions from the cases, which the opinions is also another fancy legal word. For the ruling, the opinions are released anywhere from December to late June. And typically, the court releases the most controversial cases in late June, which is when they end their, their court session. So they typically you know, release these very controversial rulings, and then they uh, get out of town, go uh, on vacation or whatever they're set to do. Another important fact here is there are nine uh, seats on the Supreme Court, and the, the typical, uh, the makeup of the court now is, depends on what case they're ruling on, but we have four fairly consistent conservative judges, or I would say constitutional judges, 
Then we have four liberal judges, to be nice, or I would say they rule at times contrary to the Constitution. And then there's one usually that flip-flops back and forth. And uh, usually Justice Anthony Kennedy is the one flipping back and forth. But it, like I said, it varies on each case. But here are a couple of cases that are important that we need to keep an eye on. They've already been heard. The, the arguments have already been made in front of the court. We're just waiting on the court to publish the ruling, to publish the opinion. Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Many of you have heard of this. This is the, the Colorado baker by the name of Jack Phillips. Excellent gentleman. And he was, he was asked by two men to bake and design a cake for a homosexual quote-unquote wedding. And he, he politely declined. And these two men, of which shouldn't be getting married because that's unnatural, these two men filed a complaint and which ended up starting a lawsuit against Jack Phillips. And he has been struggling in courts for years now, over between three and four years. And the Supreme Court heard this case. To give you a brief overview of the case beyond what I just did, I want to play clip one here. This is a, a video from his law firm representing him, Alliance Defending Freedom. Let's listen. Like Jack Phillips, a cake artist and owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop. He serves everyone, but doesn't create cakes that celebrate all events, like cake celebrating divorce or Halloween. But when he politely declined to create a cake celebrating a same-sex wedding, he was sued for discrimination. During 40 years in the cake industry, Jack Phillips has never discriminated against anyone. Jack serves everybody, he just doesn't create every cake. But the state of Colorado wants to force Jack to create a cake that goes against what he believes. Discrimination is real, and it should never happen. But this is not discrimination. The heart of this is about forcing an artist to create in spite of who they are, turning free speech into forced speech. Members of the LGBT community and Jack's industry agree. There you have it. So Jack Phillips' case, when you boil it down, it is a case over whether the government can force speech or not. And what I mean by that, this is not your, what you when you when I say speech, many of you probably think like I'm doing right now, I'm talking, speaking orally out of my mouth. Well, that's not when it comes to law, that's not the only form of speech. People's business owners their their skills in some instances, are, is, is speech, especially when it is artistic uh, style material or something that someone puts a lot of time, effort, and their heart into. That also at times in court can be considered speech. So designing a cake for a wedding is speech. Like it or not, it is speech, so it's protected by the First Amendment. Now, to the contrary, if a baker bakes cupcakes... Random, uh, just let's just say chocolate cupcakes with icing on top, and has them set out in the on his counter in his bake bakery. Then he can't just say no, you can't have the cupcakes because I don't like you. Well, I would argue with that. I think a business owner should be able to decline service 
for whatever reason, even if I think it's unjustified, and I, and I think if it's unjustified, then his business will go down. But nonetheless, the standard procedure is that, you know, if it's, if it's a, like I said, a random cupcake that, that does not require any special skills to put together, then um, typically you won't have any standing in court to decline services to someone because for various reasons. Now, when you start designing a wedding cake, that's a whole different scenario. You're talking about hours upon hours of your time and effort and heart that is put in to designing a wedding cake. And for Jack Phillips, he believed that designing a wedding cake for a ceremony that he viewed as unbiblical and against his Christian beliefs, he should not have to, to, to design that cake. And I wholeheartedly agree with him. And I wholeheartedly agree with the... Uh, with the um, the folks, the the the, uh, the designers. That's that's the word I'm looking for. The designers who told Melania Trump, the first lady, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, make you a, a dress for the inauguration. We're not gonna we're not gonna dress you for the inauguration. Our company's not because we don't like your husband. That is the same same scenario. I am I am for both of those people declining services. If the, if the designer doesn't want to make a dress for Melania Trump, fine. We'll find somebody else to make her a dress. And if the baker doesn't want to bake a wedding cake for an unbiblical ceremony, then he shouldn't have to. He shouldn't have to. So I think both of those situations, the business owner should be able to decline services to whomever or whom uh, ever he or she decides. Another case that is that was recently heard is uh, out of California, and we all know California has been going down the drains metaphorically um, in recent years, but the, but California passed a law a couple years ago, back in 2015 it looks like, and here's what the case is about. It's about whether a California law passed in 2015, like I said, requires this this law requires anti-abortion pregnancy centers you notice how they use anti-abortion what they mean there is pro-life pregnancy centers but they frame it as anti this anti that so we look like the bigots but basically this is crisis pregnancy centers pro-life pregnancy centers this law requires those pregnancy centers to inform clients about free or low-cost abortion services that's mandated by California law. Uh, these these pro-life clinics must post signs basically saying, in essence, you can have an abortion, and here's how. Here's the phone number. Here's the address. So this is, this is another case of forced speech heard in front of the Supreme Court. Those two cases are very, very important when it comes to our First Amendment rights. And the last case that is being heard that, that of significance that I want to talk about here is, is Trump v. Hawaii. Trump versus Hawaii. Many of you heard about this, too. This is what they call, the media calls, the, quote, travel ban case. And all it is, in essence, is the President Trump, the executive branch, limiting, limiting travel from certain, about seven or eight uh, countries, 
because they do not have proper vetting procedures in place. These are terrorist-prone countries or terrorism-prone countries, some of which are in the Middle East, that have no kind of background uh, background check system. There's no database to tell who's a terrorist and who's not when they're coming in our country. So President Trump said, hey, look, we need to pause travel here for six months to these countries until we get these folks vetted. And the Supreme Court is hearing that case. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. You're listening to Exposing Washington. Stay tuned. Did you ever sit down to watch TV with your family only to turn it off because of bad language? TV Guardian is technology that mutes foul language in real time while you're watching television. TV Guardian was born out of the desire to watch a movie with the family without exposing children or adults to coarse or foul language existing in most of today's entertainment. The closed caption feature within all programming is used to look ahead, detect the offensive words, and mute them. Using simple level filters and subfilters, TV Guardian can be used to filter content for your family. Religious references in mainstream programming are often offensive, using God's name in cursing. So TV Guardian offers filtering for those as well. More information is available at tvguardian.com/dish. tvguardian.com/dish. American Family Radio is grateful for the support of TV Guardian. Hi, I'm J.J. Jasper. Do you know what a snail says riding on a turtle's back? Wee! That's how I feel about being at this year's fishbowl retreat. I'll be sharing some laughs and encouragement with you, and my wife Melanie will be speaking as well. The annual AFA Pastors and Wife Fishbowl Retreat is coming October 9th through the 11th, and already the event is filling up. Our hosts will be Pastor Bert Harper of Exploring the Word and his wife Jan. And our guest speakers will be AFR Morning Personality J.J. Jasper and his wife Melanie. Come refresh, renew, and relax. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat will be held at Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. Registration is limited to the first 35 couples. Register soon by calling 800-326-4543, extension 300, or visit repairingthefoundations.net. Come join us at the annual AFA Fishbowl Retreat, October the 9th through the 11th. Welcome back to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. Thank you, folks, for waiting through the break uh, for the second segment of Exposing Washington here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Before the break, I was talking about a couple Supreme Court cases that have already had their day in court as far as hearings go. Now we're just waiting on the court to rule. But the last case I mentioned that I said I would circle back on was the travel restriction case. And what I wanted to conclude on with that case is I think personally, and others agree with me, others who know a lot more about this stuff than I do, that this case should never have made its way anywhere into the judiciary. It should never have made its way to any court to be decided on. The president, the executive branch, 
has the sole authority to regulate immigration. If President Trump or President Obama or President Bush, any president, they can ban, they can restrict travel from countries for any reason. They can, they can literally, they can write an executive order banning travel from Italy or any other uh, uh, city or country or France or Germany or anywhere over there in Europe or the Middle East, they can, they can write an executive order saying, I want to ban travel from these countries because they have good pizza. And I know that's laughable to you, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to show an extreme circumstance where the president can literally ban travel from any country for any reason. That's according to the Constitution and according to federal law. So the courts and the Supreme Court have no business weighing in on whether the president has that authority or not. But I believe the Supreme Court will fall on the right side of the fence there. But, so I wanted to emphasize that. Now, don't go telling people that, I, that I'm encouraging a pizza travel ban. <laughs> I'm just trying to draw a, a comparison to you that the president has the authority, whether you think it's justified or not. The next uh, topic I want to move on to, and this is kind of away from the Supreme Court, is I want to talk about what's been going on on Capitol Hill this week when it comes to Congress. Now, the, Dem- the Democrats and some Republicans have been running a smear campaign against Admiral or Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who's, who's also an admiral in the military, he is the president's doctor. He was the doctor, I believe, under President Bush, President Obama, and now President Trump. So he oversees the president's health, travels with him, tends to any of his medical needs, writes him prescriptions, etc., a very important position, might I add. So Admiral Ronnie Jackson, and I'm not sure which one falls first, Dr. Admiral. We'll just go with Admiral Ronnie Jackson. He has been completely smeared by the Democrats because President Trump appointed him to run the Department of Veterans Affairs. And, and when you appoint someone to run a department, it has to go through the Senate, and the Senate has to uh, approve of Ronnie Jackson, just like they've approved recently this past week of Mike Pompeo to run the Department of State. Well, I'm going to play, just to set this up, here are the things that they've accused him of, and then I'm going to play a clip to to, to uh, further this explanation. But a few things that the Democrats and some in the media have accused Admiral Ronnie Jackson of doing is drinking on the job, liberally giving out prescriptions, which is giving out prescriptions despite the fact that they're unnecessary, and having a toxic work environment, which um, that's kind of unclear what that means. So, But the the first two accusations, drinking on the job and liberally giving out prescriptions, those are two serious accusations. And I'm I'm not coming to Ronnie Jackson's defense right now. I'm just stating the facts. So let's listen to clip two. This is Senator... From Montana, Senator John Tester on CNN talking about Admiral Ronnie Jackson. Let's listen. The allegation that he improperly dispensed prescription drugs. Do you know what drugs were uh, dispensed? 
Yeah, I can't tell you exactly the name because I'm I'm not a pharmacist. But these 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 are drugs that are meant to put people to sleep and wake them back up. They're controlled substances. They're prescriptions. Uh, the word is is that on overseas trips, in particular, uh, that uh, Admiral would go down the, the aisle way of the airplane and say, "All right, who wants to go to sleep?" and hand out the prescription so drugs. You're talking like about something they were like, an, like an ambient type. Yeah, thing. that's exactly right. And 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 put them to sleep and then give them the drugs to wake them back up again. The, the, the wake up drugs you're talking about, I assume, is something like Provigil, that's which correct. is for, uh, uh, officially for narcolepsy. It works on dopamine. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 you know these are con called controlled substances for a reason. We have so he uh, would actually just go down the aisle and yes, just sort of say, that's correct. Who that's, wants to go to sleep? Who wants to wake up? That's the reports we got from the people, the twenty some people who, who uh, got a hold of us and said we've got a problem. This doctor has a problem. Because he hands out uh, prescriptions like candy. In fact, in the White House, they call him the Candy Man. Well, that was Senator uh, John Tester of Montana on CNN, I believe, talking to Anderson Cooper there. But folks, this is this is mind-boggling. And track with me here. I'm not defending Admiral Ronnie Jackson. He can defend himself, okay? But I'm trying to prove a point here. And here's the point. This is from CNN's article. This is complete slander. Listen to this. This is from the CNN article, the same article which I drew that video clip or audio clip you just heard. This is a quote. Members of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee have been working through all the allegations but have not substantiated the claims with little documentation available to corroborate them. The White House and Secret Service did not respond to requests for comment for that story. But the important thing I want to note there is this senator and all the Democrats and some Republicans are accusing Admiral Ronnie Jackson of some very, very scandalous things. But then they say, well, you know, we're still trying to work this out. We just don't know if this is all true or not. But hey, here it all is. This is absolutely absurd. Historically, and people with common decency, when you're going to accuse someone of inappropriate and immoral behavior, you have evidence. You say, here's what someone did, and here's how I know they did it. That's what happens in court. That's how people are proven guilty or innocent. But nowadays, with the media and with these cronies up in Washington, they're so dishonest. Even the Republicans, they accuse people of things, and then when they're pressed on it, they say, well, it's a, you know, we're, uh, it's just reports we've heard. We've just heard from different people. We think this is true. Uh, well, either it's true or it's not, and if it's true, provide the evidence. But now in the media, you know, you know the term, I think it's, uh, you can't, you can't, it's impossible to disprove a negative. And what that means, in essence, is you can't disprove that which never occurred. That's like somebody saying to me, Walker, prove to me that back in 2000, when I was seven years old, prove to me that you didn't eat a cheeseburger in, in the year 2000. And so I'm thinking to myself, how do I go back to 2000? I don't even remember what happened that year and prove to you that I didn't eat a cheeseburger. And so if I stumble around trying to disprove something that never occurred, let's just say I didn't have a cheeseburger in 2000, well, then they say, well, you're guilty then. You must have done it because you can't disprove that which never occurred. So they call, that's why people say it's, 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 
impossible to disprove a negative. And this is what they're doing with Admiral Ronnie Jackson. And look, if it's true that he was uh, intoxicated on the job, and if it's true that he handed out prescription medicine liberally, opioids as if it was uh, handed it out unnecessarily, then 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 I'm I'm for I'm for that rebuke. You know, I don't think he should serve as a VS secretary if these allegations are true. But we don't know if they're true. And Admiral Ronnie Jackson has already stepped aside from his nomination. He's withdrawn his nomination on allegations that are not proven. And I just I just think this is a dangerous precedent that we set where someone can simply accuse someone of something without proving it, and then it, it assassinates their character. Because imagine if it was you. Imagine if your livelihood depended on a job, and one person accuses you of something falsely, and your life is ruined. You lose your job, you lose your pension, you lose your health insurance, you lose your house, you lose your car, and your marriage probably falls apart. All based on something that's, di- that's not proven. So if people are, are guilty of immoral behavior and they're not fit to serve in leadership positions, I am open for that rebuke. As a matter of fact, I spend half my time rebuking people on this show. I'm doing it right now. I'm rebuking the folks who falsely accuse people of misdeeds. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if these accusations are true or not, but I'm just throwing out the warning there that before we start completely assassinating people's character, let's make sure to have proof that these things are true. Another topic on Capitol Hill is the uh, Robert Mueller investigation, and I've talked about this uh, multiple times. Well, this, uh, this week, the Senate Judiciary Committee approved of legislation to protect special counsel Robert Mueller. This is reading, reading directly from the Hill. In a 14-7 to 7 vote, the panel approved the bipartisan proposal that deep, deep, deeply re- divided Republicans on the committee. In the end, four Republicans voted for the bill. Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Chuck Grassley of Iowa, and Jeff Flake of Arizona. And basically the essence of this legislation, which just passed the committee and will be brought up on the Senate floor, maybe, is it would give special counsel Robert Mueller a, quote, expedited review of their firing. (laughs) And listen to this. If a court, a three-person court, determines that it wasn't for, quote, good cause, the special counsel would be reinstated. The reason this is disturbing is because the executive branch, the president, has, has authority over the executive branch. And what Congress is trying to do is unconstitutional by withdrawing executive branch authority from the president and placing it in the hands of Congress. The president is over the Department of Justice. He is the chief law enforcement officer in the country, the commander-in-chief, President Donald Trump. If he wants to fire Robert Mueller, first, I think that would be a great idea. But for those who disagree with me, there are remedies. There are remedies to challenge that. You can impeach. You can have hearings. There are multiple ways for Congress to keep the president in check 
if they assume or they think he's doing un, uh, un- immoral behavior. We'll be back next week on Exposing Washington. Come back. <laughs>